You're listening to a Church Doctor production. You're listening to the Big Church, Small Church podcast with John Hunter. Conversations and tips for churches to engage in outreach communities to reach new people for God in your neighborhood. Welcome to the Big Church, Small Church podcast. I have a special guest today is an interview with Michael Beck. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate you. Yeah. Would you like to just give yourself a little introduction about who you are, where you're at, and kind of what you do? Sure. So I'm Michael Beck. Um, I love Jesus, and um, I have a wife, Jill. We have a blended family of eight children, and we are ordained elders in the United Methodist Church, and we've currently served Wildwood United Methodist Church for the past nine years. We also just picked up another little congregation that's dear to us that's not far from Wildwood, a revitalization congregation, St. Mark's United Methodist Church. And so there's a team of us kind of with both churches. I'm also the um, National Director for Remissioning for Fresh Expressions US. I'm the cultivator of Fresh Expressions for the Florida Conference. And I just came on as an adjunct professor at United Theological Seminary where I'm directing the uh, Fresh Expressions House of Studies there. So I like to tell everybody I have like five full-time jobs for part-time pay. Perfect. Doesn't sound like you're busy at all. No, not at all, man. That's awesome. Well, yeah, tell us a little bit about your story of Wildwood. Um, I'd love to just hear just from you a little bit about that and, and how did, what was that journey like when you, when you came to that church? Sure. So uh, we were sent to Wildwood nine years ago. It's a it's a congregation that was planted in 1881, Methodist Episcopal South congregation. So in Methodist world, there was a split over slavery. There was the Methodist Episcopal South, wrong side of the slavery issue, Methodist Episcopal Church. So that's kind of the, the um, starting point and really kind of some of the heritage of the church. Uh, Wildwood is a pretty segregated community. Uh, it's a it's an old Florida town, railroad track down the middle, um, white people predominantly on one side, and um, systemic oppression, black and brown peoples on the other side. Mm-hmm. One of the immediate things about the context when my wife and I got there, we felt we needed to challenge was that segregation, the racism, that really, just to be totally honest, the churches had a part in preserving that and even kind of fueling that. There was about 30 people in worship our first Sunday. So uh, my wife and I, we always say we doubled the congregation our first Sunday because we came you know, with our family at 10 and uh, we filled the place up, man. It was, it was a huge growth in attendance. Um, but Wildwood, um, it was a group of faithful saints they, they love their church. They were holding on to the, the, the church. They given their blood, sweat, and tears, their, their faithfulness to this church. And they had what we call in the recovery community, the gift of desperation, good desperation, spirit-induced uh, desperation, which brings out kind of a willingness to experiment, try something new, explore a different way of thinking about things. Um, so how I started there, I preached my first sermon series was called the open door policy. And I, I took the door off the hinges of my office and I put that in the sanctuary. And I said, I love you. I'm going to visit you in your homes. I'm with you. I'm your pastor, but I'm not going to be in that office. 
because there's a guy named John Wesley who said, the world is my parish. And so I, I am sent here as a missionary pastor, not just to care for the congregation, but to, to help us together go out and be in mission to this community. And so we just got a small team of people that were willing and they, they had a heart for the people who weren't there yet and wanted to share the gospel with people uh, and had a heart for the community. We started with that little team evangelism committee uh and it was funny because they they self-described as well we're the ones that couldn't get on any of the good committees <laughs> like the finance committee or you know trustee facility stuff um so we took that little team of people and we just started letting people know we were there we loved them asking them if they needed anything what their needs were and really, as we started to connect um, with people in the community, a process of what we like to call in the Fresh Expressions Movement, a remissioning took place. So revitalization is really when we try to, uh, mostly try to make internal changes in a church, like better worship, better coffee, better outreach programs, whatever. Remissioning is about when we join with the Holy Spirit's already doing out in the community and people's daily lives then that kind of feeds back into the congregation and transforms it. So our, our primary vehicle for that has been this thing called Fresh Expressions. It's a, it's a movement that comes out of the United Kingdom, out of the Church of England, um, and they're, they are from our future. Um, so they're about 10, 20 years ahead of us in the decline of the church and post-Christendom. Um, and so this group of uh, crazy Anglicans and British Methodists and some others got together in 2004 and created this thing called the Mission Shaped Church Report, which is one of the probably few best-selling church reports in human history, because I, I don't know about you, but I'm not <laughs> excited about reading church reports, but it literally changed the ecclesiology of the Church of England, and that movement's kind of jumped over to the United States, and really there's different expressions of it all over the world. Uh, but the, the major premise of it is, is uh, forming new Christian communities with people that don't go to church, who are probably never going to come to it, inherit a church, and for whom the church has become inaccessible. And so our, our key idea is how do you release the whole people of God, the priesthood of believers, to form new Christian communities? We want to stay away from the language of church planning because it's intimidating, but that's really what, what, what we're kind of doing. But just everyday normal Christians turning their, their passions, hobbies, interests into fresh expressions of church with people, things they would already do every week, hanging with people in the places where they would do it, but kind of help, help that become a Christian community. That's awesome. What are some of the fresh expressions um, and um, what was that relationship like with the Inherited Church at Wildwood? Did they, I mean, did they have the expectation that they wanted to have their building full, filled at first or or were they okay just like hey you know we want to we want to go out there and we just want to reach people like what was what was that journey like and what are some of the just give people a taste what are some of the different fresh expressions that people do um out there what is their what is their kind of their i don't want to call it a church plant but what is their expression like out there what is it like when do they meet what does it look like great questions um and i think we have to be just as much missionary as we do pastor in a post-Christendom society. And I think there's still an expectation with some in our inherited group, uh, and I'm using the language of the inherited church and emerging forms of church or fresh expressions of church. 
So inherited is not a bad word. It's a, it's a beautiful word. It's, it's an inheritance. Like the saints of past have given us this beautiful thing we have to steward. Uh, and one thing I love about the, the fresh expression movement as opposed to some emerging church movements is you're not leaving the church behind, the traditional church in the rear view and saying, oh, we don't need to do that anymore. Um, it's this both and that we call a blended ecology of church. So inherited and, and missional or sent, gathered, scattered, sent, gathered forms of church living together. But there's still definitely an expectation with that inherited group um, that people are going to come fill the space up Sunday. And the good news is, and I have to kind of preface this with an and, the goal of Fresh Expressions is not to fill your church up, your inherited Sunday morning service. And when we actually join uh, what the Spirit's up to and we plant these little new Christian communities all over the place, people do bridge, it's called a bridge back in England, people bridge back into the inherited congregation. So we've had a lot of that, um, you know, a couple hundred at Wildwood, that people connected to Jesus and the fresh expression, and then they were saying, well, I think I will go check out the Sunday morning thing, or maybe Christians aren't as bad as we thought, all these stereotypes about Christians, you know. So a couple of the fresh expressions, um, some of the older ones is like burritos and Bibles. So this is church that happens in a Moe's Southwest Grill. In uh, Luke 10, Jesus tells us to locate the person of peace. He sends his disciples out two by two, travel light, leave your baggage behind, take risks, you know, wolves in the midst of lamb, lambs in the midst of wolves stuff. Find the person of peace who opens the community to you and invites you to their table and does life with you. So let your peace rest with them, their peace rest with you. So one of the key things in the fresh expressions is we find those persons of peace who are, they open that relational network, they open that space or practice or people um, that the Lord's called us to reach or to be in mission with. So at Moe's Southwest Grill, Adrian, the manager of Moe's, uh, we established a relationship. Um, and he got permission for us to come in, uh, study the Bible, pray. Um, as we got to know Adrian more and more, he starts bringing us prayer requests and, and uh, his grandpa got sick. So he's telling us, hey, I know y'all do that prayer thing. Will you pray for my grandpa? Over time, he's up, so we were, hey, can we do this next? Next week, we're thinking we're going to actually bring Bibles in, maybe, or look at Scripture on our phone. Hey, next week, we're going to do this thing called the Lord's Supper, a Holy Communion. It's like the central meal. So then we start doing open table communion in Moe's uh, for people that are, you know, just coming in the restaurant. For Wesleyans, just to uh, make that clear, we have an open table communion, so... We believe it's a converting ordinance, like it, it's kind of our altar call, if you will, like people can come to know Christ through the meal. So we, we do a little kind of a liturgy in the space. People come join us um, as we're engaging people in the space. Then we have our regulars who are like, this is my church, burritos and Bibles. Um, so we take a tortilla and we fill the chalice with high C. Those are our communion elements, what's available there in the space. About a year of that, um, Somebody said, hey, this is our church, right? Shouldn't we have take a collection? And we passed, we dumped out the chips and salsa basket and we passed that as a kind of a collection plate. Adrian says, okay, what's the Lord's Supper thing about? We kind of tell him about that and, and he accepts Christ and says, all right, I'm in, you know, I need Jesus. And he takes communion with us. Then his staff starts taking communion with us. And now all of a sudden we got a church that's happening right there in Moe's Southwest Grill. So if you can think of 14 of those meeting all over the place at different times during the week, 
one's in a tattoo parlor, um, tattoo parlor church. One's uh, called Yoga Church. It happens in a yoga studio. Our person at peace, Karen Hughes, a yoga instructor who's also a Christian, who's connected to this whole network of yoga people. We had we started a church in a dog park called Pause of Praise. That was started by a pioneer named Larry in his 80s, by the way. So there's no age limit on this. And good Christian going to church his whole life, but maybe never felt thought of himself as a church planner because we've so you know specialized in the idea of church planting you have to be this highly trained professional yeah. but larry planted a church right there in the dog park um and you know he just reads some scripture off his phone people pray their animals play out there in nature uh denise started church three church 3.1 it's a church for runners so her she's a person of peace to the runners community they do these crazy marathons 5ks mud run stuff so she got her friends together. And this is somebody who's young, who was a Christian for maybe a year when she did this. Like I was there the first time she prayed out loud in front of a group of people. Wow. And within, within a year of that, and that was in a fresh expression, she's starting her own fresh expression. So these things multiply. There's a whole bunch of those I can tell you more about any more specifically that you want to know about. Yeah. Um, but but I already do every week. You would already do yoga. You would already go to the dog park. You would already go to most Southwest Grow. How do you find a friend, love each other, share your faith, gather in community. And I feel like that works really well in today's context, especially in America. Uh, I mean, I, I actually knew, learned about Fresh Expressions. I was a missionary over there for six years in an Anglican church, worked there and knew some Fresh Expressions. And it was amazing. Like you said, it is like what they're doing there now um, just the church is so far, it's, it's ahead of its time in terms of where the, the church in America is going. It's in decline, but then there's, this, there's new expressions. There's more outreach, more kind of spirit-led initiatives, creative initiatives to reach people uh, that we call unchurched or, or people that are several generations out of, of going to church. So maybe their, their grandparents or their great-grandparents would have went to church. And so you're really, you're, you're reaching people who have really never heard the name of Jesus before. And so it's great to find creative ways. And I feel like that even that fresh expression, like you said, like you're doing yoga already, you're doing these different things. And so you're going to go do them, but, but your calendars are already so filled anyways. But it's so instead of adding something, another church thing on top of it, you can combine these things. And actually, I think it's a great being a great steward of your time and your resources and and things so we don't burn out, but we're able to actually engage with people within with Jesus right where we'd be anyways, which is really beautiful. Yeah, and, and John, like you saw in England in your time there, um, the church just, I mean, we can throw up our hands about it, that people don't come fill our massive cathedrals on Sunday, or we can shift and, and, and respond to the missional moment that's ahead of us. And I think for, for in our post-Christendom Western, you know, obviously the U.S. is not as far down the road as the U.K., but the church is just inaccessible. Like a Sunday morning time in a specific place, and, and now we have a 24-7 blazing 5G speed work cycle. So there's not a blue laws in America anymore where you can't do anything but go to church on Sunday. So people work seven days a week, multiple jobs, family structures have changed. So this idea that one day the, the country is just going to wake up and say, I need to go to that building that's very mysterious, and I know it's part of our history, but I don't really understand it. That's very unlikely. 
Yeah. And the, the only way the church will become accessible is when we equip, you know, the whole people of God to, to, to help it spill out into every nook and cranny of society. Like right there where you, where you live and work and play, Jesus is, is being proclaimed and Christian communities being formed. That's really cool. It's a massive shift in our, in our thinking though. So it's hard. Absolutely. And I love the, the, the idea of being sent and uh, just not to get caught up in the idea that, that not to have a scarcity mentality, like what happens if people don't come and sit in our pews or in our seats or in our building? I think so often when we feel like we send people that, that we're going to lose our best, but actually that there's that bridging back that as we send, you know, that, that God, God will take care of us. God will, you know, that we're not to have a scarcity mindset that, that God is a generous God. And, you know, that as we send, God does something in us and it, you know, it, it all works out beautifully. Amen. And so I wrote a book on this called Deep Roots, Wild Branches, Revitalizing the Church and the Blended Ecology. And I kind of looked at actually the biblical model for church now, we've been in a gathered-only, attractional-only model since Constantine, you know, so this is deeply embedded. But if you look at the book of Acts, and, and I mean, I go into the Old Testament and talk about uh, the sent mode of God's witness. So God's a tabernacle God. Hmm. He's moving around with his people, the blazing glory in the wilderness, you know, a God on the move. And he's the God of the temple who all that stuff from the tabernacle moves into the temple. And so he draws all the nations into worship at his holy hill, Mount Zion, like in an attractional, this is my zip code, you know, my space kind of idea. So that's there. And then you get the synagogue in the time of Jesus, which is like a kind of a, a cross between those two things. So it's a localized contextual thing. And it's the temple idea, like you're being drawn to a space. So even the word synagogue is both a people and a place together. And then you see Jesus, like, where does he spend most of his time? He goes to the synagogue and he goes to the temple and he does his thing there. He, he's not always received real well by the, by the clericalism of his day either, right? But he has a temple tantrum in the temple and he gets thrown out of synagogues and that kind of stuff. But he's out there with the people in their normal rhythms of life down by the lakeside, out on the mountaintop. The Sermon on the Mountain, the greatest sermon ever preached, was not preached from a pulpit, but from a you know, mountainside, right? Absolutely. And then, and then Acts, you get Antioch, Jerusalem. So Jerusalem church is functioning, centered, gathered, Antioch scattered all over the place. And they're, those are just those modes of church living together. Hmm. Then when you get to us, we're kind of in that attractional only way. But all this is doing to me is unleashing like a biblical missional ecclesiology for the church where it's that both and where we can be sent and um, gathered, we can be collected and distributed, and every church that does it is going to, you know, experience vitality. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, if you haven't read it out there, uh, make sure you pick up uh, Deep Roots, Wild Branches. It's an amazing book, um, great stories in there, uh, so helpful for uh, the Inherited Church and, and how to, to reach out um, to our growing um, kind of unchurched population in the United States. Also, you've got a new book coming out. Tell me a little bit about the new, the new book that you got coming out. What's it, what, what, what's it about? Why did you write it? Well, it, it's just kind of piggybacking on what you just said about there, this is hard for the inherited church. 
it's not a it's not an easy thing to transition to um, churches that have been used to being one way for you know however many long in uh, Methodism the vast majority and I mean a lot uh, are in decline of our churches and have maybe a deep history in the community but they're just not so um, my, I did doctoral research on contextual intelligence and my my lead mentor um, was uh, Leonard Sweet, who's kind of one of my heroes of scholarship. And um, so I studied this, like what's the different mental models that these pioneers have that are out here doing this stuff and, and the inherited congregations, they really think quite differently. Some of the inherited congregations leadership was the very things they saw as challenges, these pioneer leaders are seeing as opportunities um, and so how, is there a, a way to bridge the gap between those kind of two ways of thinking about mission? So we discovered this phenomenon called contextual intelligence. And the, it's just comes from the tribe of Issachar. Uh, there's a biblical precedent for this. The Issacharians, um, uh, when there's a transition between the leadership of Saul, King Saul to King David, all the tribes are bringing their allegiance to David and, and they're bringing, you know, um, gifts. So some are bringing, you know, finances, military power, weapons, whatever. The Issacharians show up and they bring a specific kind of intelligence. So they could read the signs of the times and knew what to do. Mm -hmm. So they were, they were sign readers, they were semioticians, they could read what was happening and then kind of chart a course of action. So that phenomenon of contextual intelligence, it's been studied well in psychology, sociology, and it obviously in the business world, because it's a trait um, in, in some of the greatest business leaders throughout history. They're able to see changing times and context and community, and they're able to adapt and maybe create something new or manage an, an existing thing in a different way that engages the context in a new way. So contextual intelligence is simply being able to read your context and to know what to do. And that probably comes before we can really get out and start to do some of the, the fresh expression work and the, uh, you know, cultivating. I think we have to get a good understanding of the level of change that we face as the inherited church, the level of change that our communities have experienced, that if we were planted in 1881, things are very different today and, and we can't hold on to those old assumptions. Right. So we kind of propose this process of unlearning what we think we know that has to come first and then immersion in the context and then minding the gaps and doing some other things. And then through that journey, we have an accurate kind of um, understanding of our context. So the book's all about that. It's kind of a practical resource on how to do that. Um, and, and the crazy thing was um, Leonard Sweet we're co-authors on it. Wow. So, cool. yeah. so for me, like to be able to write a book with one of my heroes of the faith is pretty cool. That's awesome. And that comes out in the next few months, right? Yeah, that comes out in September. Awesome. Yep. Very cool. So make sure you guys pick that up. Uh, it's really exciting. And um, yeah, so uh, he's got a couple great resources out there. Um, just Google him as an author. He's not only... Uh, a brilliant mind, a great teacher, but he's also doing it. And which is also, I think, really, really important that it's not, he's not sitting from his ivory tower, um, you know, just uh, creating knowledge. He's actually doing these things. It's working. Um, there's fruit of it, which is awesome. And, you know, in a church 
that was started in 18, what was it, 1801, was that right? 1881. 1881, sorry. So 1881. So that is just a, an amazing story, amazing journey in how we can reach people and contextualize the mission of Jesus today, which is awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us today. Um, I really appreciate having you. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for your time and for hanging out with us today. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Big Church, Small Church podcast, a Church Doctor Ministries production. To download the show notes, go to thesendmovement.com. For questions, coaching, or other network opportunities, contact John Hunter at j-o-n-h-u-n-t-e-r at churchdoctor.org. If you've liked this episode, please give a review, subscribe, and share it on your social media platforms. 